Hey, this is Kevin Chen, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. This week is a special one for me. We are joined by Kevin Chen, former guitar player from the Orange County Supertones. Why is this a special one? The Adventures of the OC Supertones was the album that started it all for me. It was my first musical obsession. It is the record that introduced me to Tooth & Nail so subsequently got me into punk and hardcore and metal and emo and so on and so on. It is very much so the reason that I am hosting this podcast today. And um, no matter how I feel about the record these days, I don't necessarily return to it all that often, but it's still a very important uh, piece in my musical history. And I was super stoked to get to talk to Kevin about the Supertones and that era of Ska and Tooth and Nail. Kevin was also in Bloodshed and Stairwell. And uh, we had a great chat. I think you guys will enjoy it. Huge shout out to Neil Samoy, who connected Kevin and I. I actually thought of Kevin because Jonathan Caro wished him a happy birthday on Facebook. So shout out to Jonathan Caro as well. So enjoy this week's conversation with Kevin Chen. My, my mom, my dad, and my sister. Uh, we moved here in June of 1980 and uh, moved to Orange County uh, to a little town called Cyprus. Uh, it's about, uh, I'd say, 15 minutes west of Disneyland and yeah. probably another 15 east of Long Beach. Uh, you know, I'm sure people are familiar with Long Beach, Anaheim, uh, you know, just, it's just a little, little tiny city wedged in there. And I've been here pretty much ever since. What was it that brought your family from Taiwan? Um, I think it's, uh, really more f- for them. I think it was for opportunity for us. Um, and also I think my dad just kind of wanted to break out and do his own thing. You know, he came from a pretty big family. Both my parents came from big families. Uh, I think there was eight kids total on each side. And, you know, wow. and he, my, yeah, my dad was the oldest, so um, he came here to the U.S. 
I think it's the late 70s. He set up a business, you know, bought a house and everything. And then they, uh, in 1980, moved all of us out here. And that was that. What what got you into music? Uh, got me into music. Well, uh, I come from a pretty musical family. Um, okay. You know, I'm Chinese, by the way, from Taiwan. Uh, and Chinese people... I don't know if it's like a cultural thing or what, but uh, they, or if it's just like a family thing for me, but they, you know, they think you have to be well-rounded, I believe. So that includes music, academia are all important things. I think uh, at least when I was growing up, that was enforced. So I got into music at an early age. Um, my mom was a uh, opera singer major in college. And I remember her enrolling me in piano lessons when I was four. And so I've always been around music as, you know, as far as I can remember. And then uh, in fourth grade, because, you know, moving here, I, I didn't speak a lick of English. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's tough for any age, but when you're seven, I mean, it's a little easier, I guess, if you're a little younger. But at seven, I already, you know, you kind of have the the uh, mental capacity to, to be like, oh, I don't have any friends. I don't know anybody, <laughs> you know. And then uh, and I don't speak the language, so that was tough. And then so I just kind of, you know, just hung out at home with my family. And then in fourth grade, I remember learning that they were, the elementary school was, uh, offering violin lessons at school. And so I came home and told my mom, this is what I want to do. Cause I've always, I, I don't know, I think I've always been an inquisitive mind and I just like to know what, how things work. And I would hear music, um, or see music on TV or hear, I'm sorry, hear music on TV on shows. And it's like, how do they, how do they do that? How do they come up with that? How is that piece of music made? You know, the instruments that were involved in that, like what does it take to make this song or like a theme song to a TV show or something? So I think at least that was the earliest recollection for, of me, for me to remember that, uh, you know, that's kind of why I got into music and what intrigued me. That's cool. What led you to pick up a guitar? Well, uh, I played violin, and it was classical violin. So, you know, it's pretty pretty stringent. And uh, it's like, you got to do this, you got to practice these, you got to practice scales. Everything was reading off music. And I just remember going, this is cool and everything. And I got to be decent at it. You know, I, I played an orchestra all the way through to almost the end of high school. Um, and, but I just, the whole time I remember to my, you know, t saying to myself, well, it's cool playing other people's music, but like, I don't want to just read off a of sheet music and play this stuff. You know, yeah. what about all this other cool stuff? And by that time, I had discovered, you know, metal, glam rock. Um, and then 
later on punk rock, but at the time, I think uh, Guns N' Roses was the was the thing of the day. Uh, so uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, well, violin doesn't get you girls. <laughs> nobody's, <laughs> nobody's clamoring for the, the first chair in the you know Philharmonic, or at least that's you know. Yeah. 14-year-old me thought that. Right. <laughs> and uh, I remember I had, I think I had foot surgery of some sort, and I borrowed the guitar from a friend. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I kind of just went from there. Uh, the first thing I learned on that guitar was uh, the opening to Guns N' Roses' uh, Sweet Child of Mine, the opening lick to that. And that was the only yeah. thing I knew how to play, and I would play that six <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was laid up in bed after foot surgery, yeah. so I had nothing to do. So, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I got into the wonderful world of guitars. Awesome. And then did you start playing in bands after that? Um, no, I, I, I would literally practice for uh, hours on end. Um, I was, you know, so at the time, the big stuff, like I said, was glam rock, you know, um, Guns N' Roses. And before that, I, I was into, uh, I was really into like New Order and just like, I don't know if you know the station K-Rock out here in, in California. Yeah. At the time, you know, all they played was British New Wave stuff. So I got really into that for a while. And I started discovering, I forget, I don't remember how, might have been just like watching MTV and was like, oh, what's this stuff, this hair stuff, hair metal bands, kind of, you know, explored that for a little bit. Um, and Cyprus wasn't like a super hip town, even though it's, you know, right next door to Long Beach and some of these way cooler towns. But, you know, I... As a kid, I didn't go to any of those places. I didn't know anybody else. So yeah. I wasn't exposed to any of that stuff. My parents weren't from here. You know, I don't have uh, older brothers or sisters that would show me stuff. So I really kind of was just in the dark about this type of thing or those type of things. And I think I came across hair metal stuff. So I got into that for a little bit. Then remember one day... I think I was at the gym class in high school and one from Metallica came on. And I was like, holy crap, what is this? <laughs> you know, with the double bass, never heard anything like yeah. that before. And then I remember seeing the video on MTV and it was like, I think I like this. You know, <laughs> and and that kind of kind of what sent me down that path of uh, starting to... Uh, like, you know, that type of music and trying to find out what that is. And this was a time of no internet, no YouTube, so it was really hard to find out this type of stuff. And yeah. Yeah, you know, so I would start going to the local grocery store and look at guitar magazines. Um, and then I would buy the uh, the music books, you know, and I, I don't read music for guitar. So these music books had tablature, so I had to teach myself how to read tablature, and I would just practice Metallica songs all day long. And I taught myself how to play guitar at that, you know, at that time. 
I took I started I took lessons a little later on, but that's how I started and how I uh got into kind of like uh metal and punk and stuff like that and getting uh and then when I got I felt like I got decent enough, I knew a friend of a friend in high school. You know, it's always a friend of a friend. And like I said, Cyprus was kind of, you know, not like a super cool city. And there was, a, you know, it was, it was a little more like well-to-do city. So it was kind of clean, you know, and the kids, nobody had bands that you really knew of. Not a lot of people played instruments. So a friend of a friend played drums. So we started this band. I think um, this was around 17, 18, my senior year of high school. And we just kind of messed around, you know, played covers. I think at the time, Nirvana was coming out and getting to be popular, too. So we just played covers just to mess around. Um, then uh, we would start playing backyard parties around town. This was never any good, though. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have a whole ton of money, so my equipment was crap. So, yeah, it was always... <laughs> just trying to get stuff together to be able to play a show. We didn't know how to, we didn't know how to do anything. So we didn't know how to put yeah. a band together. You know, we didn't know how to get shows. Uh, yeah. So it was a lot of trial and error at that time. Did you guys have a name? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, just, just to pre this. Uh, I, I actually hadn't heard about your podcast until Neil uh, Samoy from Stairwell uh, told yeah. me about it. You know, he, he introduced us to each other. And yeah. uh, so I actually listened. I went back and listened to his podcast. Uh, and I think he had said that he had the, one of the worst band names, right? One yeah. of his first bands or whatever. And it, it's funny listening to that podcast because he – Reminded me of a lot of stuff that I don't remember or haven't thought about in a long time. And I was like, oh, yeah. Remember Fungus Mungus or whatever that <laughs> band he had was? Yeah. I was like, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> but I feel like my first band name may have beaten his. So it was a hodgepodge of just whatever musicians I could muster up from high school. Uh, the, the singer couldn't really sing, uh, so he would almost, like, rap over metal, but it wasn't even re really rap, it was just, like, talking, um, and we had a, you know, bunch of different other guitarists come and go. I played rhythm at the time, I didn't really know how to do leads, uh, so we would find, try to find lead guitar players, bass players, and they would come and go. Uh, the band's name was called, I don't know why I think I thought of this. I thought it was clever. But the band's name was called Penetration. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad, right? Uh, and I don't know. To me, I think that's worse than whatever Neil thought was bad for a band name. It was so bad that we got accepted to the high school talent show, and they would not put our name on the program of the talent show. That's amazing. Uh, so uh, basically our name got banned. So, <laughs> we, but when we found that out, we were really mad. So 
we drove down to a local hardware store and bought uh, vinyl sticker letters and put penetration <laughs> on the drum, on the bass drum, in big, big white block <laughs> letters to spite them, uh, oh, which man. is, looking back, is just the dumbest thing. Uh, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. Uh, it's so embarrassing. Uh, uh, yeah, and we just uh, I I I saved up some money and bought a, a four track, a Tascam four track at the time. It was like you know the coveted recording demo thing, right? And uh, we just started pumping out demos and didn't know how. No, you know there was no internet, so you couldn't self promote. It was really hard. Didn't know how to do any of this stuff. So there was a local kind of like cool record store who would just go and you know, throw demo tapes there and hope someone someone would listen. And that's kind of my first foray into bands. Just learning, awesome. I'm learning how any of this work, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump ahead slightly. Uh, is your, like, love for metal the reason uh, why Ad and I sound so much like Am I Evil? Uh, no, actually, no, 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 no. that, yeah, so with the Supertones, Matt Morjinski mo wrote most of the songs, um, okay. at least for, um, you know, the bones of the, sh of the songs, um, okay. you know, we would all work on it together, but for the bare bones of the song, now, I believe the song you're referring to is off the first album, right? The Adventures? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Most people don't know this, but that record was already written and recorded when I joined the band. Gotcha. gotcha. So that that actually is not me playing on that record. That's Matt, okay. Matt Morjinski. So Matt Morjinski was the singer and guitar player. Um, and I don't know if you... Do you know kind of how Supertones started? Uh... I, yeah, I had some bare bones from the DVD, yeah. Um, or the, the I guess the VHS tape they put out. Oh, right. Oh, man. The at, at the movies uh, VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> it came out right after I left. Yeah, I forgot about I that. that's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a cool, that was a cool tape. I remember watching that. Um, but yeah, uh, they were a band, right, called Saved. Uh, mm -hmm. and I remember we would see them, you know, around the, the music circuit in Orange County. Um, and they were always kind of, it was just an eclectic, you know, they would play all kinds of different styles. Um, it's all super good musicians. And, uh, we had heard, you know, down through the grapevine, we had heard, oh, they changed their name to Dune Ska now. They got signed to Tooth and Nail, this and that. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then one day, Matt just showed up at a show I was playing and was like, hey, we got signed, you know, but I want to concentrate on singing. Would you consider playing guitar for Supertones? And that's kind of how I became a Supertone. And, and so, yeah, that, that record was already written. I remember Matt inviting me down to the studio. They were, I believe, finishing up some tracks. And that w that record was recorded by Bob Moon. I, I think they rented a, tooth nail, I rented a studio for them. 
It wasn't Bob's studio. It was this other studio. I went down there and listened to it. Oh, because I had to uh, also when I decided, when I said yes, they said, great, uh, we're playing a show in a week. Can you <laughs> can you learn the song? Learn all the songs. Yeah, and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> sure. And I'd never played ska before, mind you, nice. uh, by that time. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I how that began, how that adventure began for me. So before before you joined the Supertones, you were were you in Bloodshed before then or at the same time? Because you didn't yeah, have Bloodshed. So let me, okay, let me uh, let's start from yeah. We can back up. <laughs> yeah, after penetration, it's just you know it's just I I didn't I honestly didn't know what I was doing. All right, and that was that was at the end of high school. You know, after high school kind of messed around a little bit with that band still, but everyone just kind of went and did their own thing. I started college. I was going to this community college. And I remember taking, I believe, if I remember, a biology class. And it was a, uh, what's the word for that? Not theater style. Okay, let's just say theater style, like auditorium. That's what I'm thinking of. You know, where they have that like stadium style seating. And this guy in front of me had this, uh, shirt on, I believe it was like an anti-abortion shirt. And I was like, hey man, that's a really cool shirt. Like, what's that all about? And it was Shane Sowers from Unashamed. Now, I didn't know, I didn't know who, you know, I wasn't in that scene. I didn't know anything about that scene. And he was like, oh. So he started telling me about what the shirt was. He was a Christian. Uh, he played in this band, Unashamed. And I remember right before that, I had heard from somebody else just about the general hardcore scene in Orange County. And I remember being intrigued. They had played me, I think, a song by this band called Undertow. I was like, oh, what, what is this? You know, this isn't, it's almost like metal, but at the same time, it's not, you know, because hardcore is just all breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, this is pretty amazing. It sounds brutal and awesome. You know, I kind of want, I kind of like this. And then I run into Shane and he's like, yeah, I play in this hard Christian hardcore band. Like, oh, I play guitar, you know, just play metal, this and that. And he's like, hey, I I know these guys starting up a, a hardcore band and, uh, they're looking for a guitar player. And he introduced me to, I don't know if you heard of the, the band Impact. Uh, it was on mm-hmm. Helpless Amongst Friends too. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had that song Within. Um, yeah, so he, just, he introduced me to those guys. And that's how I kind of got into the, uh, the scene down here in Orange County. 
uh, you know, started playing shows with those guys. And of course, when you play that, you just run into all the bands on that circuit. And one of them was Bloodshed. And at that time, Bloodshed was still, you know, 16, 17 year old kids. So they, it was like, oh my God, these kids, they have a record deal, tooth and nail. And so we would play with them a lot, you know, different shows. Um, and when John Cottrell left the band, they uh, approached me to fill the spot and do another EP. And that was the uh, Soft Spoken Words EP. And so that was before Supertones. And Matt actually came to a bloodshed show to recruit me. So, and around that time, uh, I believe Sean Stopnik was also an inner means. And, yeah. you know, I was getting courted to go to the Supertones. He was really concentrating more on inner means. And so I think that's kind of why, and then bloodshed started transforming and went to like the way of, uh, slingshot David. And so that just kind of all, you know, fell apart like they were doing their thing and then I had to commit to Supertones and then immediately they wanted to go on tour so I couldn't yeah. I couldn't do Bloodshed anymore really Seems like everything I touch just falls to pieces Seems like everyone I help just falls And how I need someone to make me feel assured Was there a moment when you joined the Supertones and you guys started touring where you knew that this was going to be huge? Um, no. You know, when I I look back and I laugh because I, I feel like, well, maybe a little bit still to this day, but... uh. I'm oblivious to things sometimes, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of miss the big picture. I just like live in the moment. It's like, Hey, this is really fun. This is really cool. I really believe in this. You know, this is the music's great, whatever. And I just remember it was really intriguing that, um, everything happened so fast, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, I had a sense I guess maybe that it was going to be something big, but you just don't really know, you know, I, especially that your first record, it was just like, yeah. the, you know, dumb punk rock kids from orange counties. Like, who are we? <laughs> you know, like, you'd never think like, Oh, I'm going to be playing cornerstone in about a year, you know, to all these people. You just don't think that way. I mean, even on our first tour, it was just a two, I believe like a two week tour up, up and down California, you know, and you'd, you'd show up to, to the middle of nowhere in the middle of California and 60 kids would show up and you're like, that's great. That's fantastic. This is fun. <laughs> you know, and you just don't think it would be any more than that. I mean, you hoped, I guess, but I, I just, I don't remember going, yeah, this is, you know, this is going to be something big. Now, I think the first time I ever thought that, though, was on our first actual national tour. And okay. we, uh, man, this is so long ago, it's hard to remember some of this stuff. 
<laughs> I believe it was like our first or second show. I don't remember what the festival was. And I just remember playing a lot of festivals that summer. I believe it was summer of 96. <laughs> and yeah. it was like a, a festival in Arizona or something. And I just remember showing up and... And if you have have had any experience with shows, you know, just it's it's kind of hectic, right? You're trying to get your stuff mm-hmm. on stage. There's just a lot of stuff going on. People are usually kind of jerks, right, because they have their job. Like the stage people have their jobs to do, so they're trying to rush you on and off, this and that. And I remember going, man, they, and, you know, and and it's not their fault, but they're just like, who's this, who are these guys? We just look at a bunch of punk kids from California, you know, eight, eight, uh, I think my, I was in my early twenties at the time. Uh, Dave, the sax player is 16. They're just like, who are these guys? Just, just get them on stage. And the record had just come out. And, you know, we'd just been playing around in California where everyone's been to the shows a bunch. You know, everyone gets into it, but you're just like, oh, you know, yeah, that's cool. But, is that I remember that show is when I realized, oh, oh, wow, like what's going on here? Because right when we started playing, all these kids came running to the stage, and they were everybody was going nuts. And I just remember right after that show, the stage people were so nice to us <laughs> immediately. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, I think this might be something bigger than what I realized. So, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, thinking back, I think that might be the first moment I realized that. But before that, no, it was just, um, you know, and, and the first, the first tour, tour thing that we did up and down California, I think we just took Jason, the drummer, um, I think we took his parents' van, you know, <laughs> It's like a like an old school like conversion van. It's got a sink, you know, in in the van, like the eighties style. And I remember on the way back the driver's seat broke, the back of the driver's seat broke, so you didn't have no back support. Oh man. <laughs> the whole way. And I just had that time going, Man, this sucks. This is what touring's like. Because it stinks. <laughs> you know, it was fun. It was fun, don't get me wrong. But it's just like, wait, this like this is how this is how touring goes? Because I'd never been on tour. You know, you hear bands like Focus and even Bloodshed went on tour, you know, before I joined the band. So it was like, oh, tour just sounded like this mythical, you know, thing, this mythical journey you take. And being on that first Superdome tour is like, oh, man, this sucks. Like, (laughs) kids, you know, the van seat broke. What's going on here? But, oh, uh, going back to unashamed uh it's funny because i think all this leads back to unashamed because jason played in unashamed also yeah. right and that's how i think that's how i got recruited is because you know i knew the unashamed guys we played in a i played in that hardcore band and then we i would just always see jason at the shows and so that's how uh yeah that's how i came to be a supertone. That's cool. Was it tricky for you at first to learn to to play those songs to like kind of pick up the ska upbeats? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, because 
I wasn't used to playing those upbeats because, you know, Scott's on the two and four, right? When, uh, yeah. Yeah, one and two and three. Yeah, on the upbeats. And, you know, never really played that style. And the the style that Matt taught me, um, you know, and, and the thing is I, I spent, I think, like two days with Matt, learned all the songs, and then went home and just practiced for that whole week. And if most ska players play, you know, full bar chords, and Matt mm-hmm. would play these, like, inverted chords, just real simplified, because really all you need is the, the high, because the bass carries the melody. Um, so, you know, it was, yeah, it was just a weird, weird way of playing that I've never done before. So, um, but that was, I think, also the uh, appeal of it, was that it was something different. You know, yeah. Because by that by that point, I had uh, I actually played a little bit of jazz in college at the community college, and I did two years of classical guitar um, as well. I, I you know by this point, I'd really gotten into guitar. Um, I wasn't like a super good guitar player by any means, but you know, I could I could pick up new stuff fairly quickly, and I was okay with leads. Um, but this was just something different. I was like, you know, it was just really intriguing to me. Uh, I, I kind of knew about Ska because, you know, Sublime, No Doubt, all that stuff was blowing up, too, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was just really cool to, to be able to be, you know, to to learn that new style. <laughs> Your own uh, Supertone studio experience was working with Steve Kravak. What was that like? <laughs> uh, Steve is a, he was a good cat, man. That guy was, he gave us a, a lot of hard time, but uh, I think, uh, do, you, do you know Steve at all or? I do not know him, no. Okay. Yeah, he, um, he was an interesting character. Uh, the one thing, uh, the guy, the guy is an amazing engineer and producer. Um, you know, I, even to this day, I mean, they just had, you know, they just had that, uh, a few years ago, the, I believe the 20th anniversary of, of Strike Back. Yeah. And I, I, I like the, you know, I, I mean, looking back, yeah, it's not going to compare to anything now because technology is come so long, but I just remember being wowed by how good he was, uh, especially editing on analog tape. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen how they edit an- old analog tapes. Uh, I just remember, oh, yeah. you know, they slice it with the razor blade and then, and then they tape it back together. And yeah. I just remember going, wait, what are you doing? You're in training. <laughs> I mean, the guy was so good. Um, he, we did, we did drum tracks and then he would go and he would be like, come, come back in here and let's, let's listen back. 
you see, you hear that there, you have half a, half a millisecond of, you know, off there. Like, what are you talking? How do you even hear that? <laughs> right. And he would go over to the tape machine and he would do it in, in this mode where he could just manually move the reels and then you would hear it go, whoop, whoop. as you see right there. Like, no, I don't see. I don't hear. I just hear it go, whoop, whoop. And then he would immediately just go, slice, slice. He's like, what are you, do? you know, when he slices, that's it. Like, what are you doing? And then he would tape it back together. He's like, yeah, see, doesn't that sound better? He's like, yeah, you're right. It does sound better. <laughs> what? What is oh, happening man. here? Yeah, so uh, it was really, it's, First real studio experience, you know, I had studio experience with Bloodshed and also before the Strike Back album, um, we went to Bob Moon's studio and we cut uh, a pre, uh, almost like a, just like a working demo for the album because all the songs, you know, were kind of, were kind of put together. Now, they weren't the final version on the album, but all the songs were pretty much put together, and then we had a few more that could be cut. I think uh, we also did a cover of When the Saints Come Marching In, a ska version of that. I, I might have that tape somewhere, by the way, that demo tape. Oh, man. Yeah, if I find it and I can digitize it. I, uh, I don't know if legally I'm able to, but... <laughs> I might just put it out on the digital domain there for people to listen to. But it's really rough. It's a really yeah. rough recording of all the songs. So, you know, I've had some studio experience, but, man, Steve Kravak kicked my butt in that studio. Yeah. You know, they rented me really good equipment. I think a, a 57 gold top Les Paul. Uh, I think all the – was for all the dis- distortion heavy stuff. And I believe I used a Fender – uh, tele, not Telecaster, Stratocaster, like an old 60s Telecaster for all the upbeat stuff. Um, wow. And we were literally working 12 noon to 12 midnight almost every day for a whole week straight just for the guitar parts. So I spent about two yeah. weeks in the studio. You know, you do scratch tracks for the, the drum tracks, and then I came back and did the guitar stuff. And I would, you know, you'd run through the song, and I'd be like, that that take was great. And you look up, and in the control room, you just see, see Steve shaking his head. And now, like, what, what, do you, what do you want? What do you want from me? But uh, I, the funniest thing to me, though, with Steve was, and that stuck in my head, was he called ska clown circus music. <laughs> I don't think he liked doing it because he also did like Voodoo, Voodoo Gold Skull. He would tell me stories about recording Voodoo Glow Skulls, you know, and other ska bands. But I don't think he liked ska personally, at least, yeah. you know, from what I could tell. He'd be like, all right, you ready to start recording this circus music today? <laughs> so, yeah, that was my, uh, those are the memories I have from, uh, Recording with Steve. He was a good guy. That record came out and and blew up. And uh, what was that response like when that record came up? Because like your crowds, what tripled overnight? <laughs> yeah, and and even by that point, you know, after the first tour, you're like, okay, you know, this band's picking up steam. But I remember not. I didn't even realize how big it was going to get. 
um, you know, until we went on the supporting tour for that album that summer. Yeah. And I believe that was when we played main stage Cornerstone for the first time. And even the even the the show for you know when we played Cornerstone um, the prior year for Adventures, even that was mind blowing because you know literally two months before that. You know, we were playing to 60 kids, and then in a month or so, we are playing to four or 500 kids. And that cornerstone, I believe we played it in, like, a big tent of some sort. Mm-hmm. And supposedly there was, like, five to 6,000 people in that tent. And it's just, I remember being told that. I was like, wait, what? That's, no, that's that's crazy, you know? I, I, I guess uh, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. And then... Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I never thought that it would blow up like that. You're probably wondering why why I left. Um, touring's hard. Yeah. <laughs> touring's really hard. People don't realize that. People don't think it's hard, but it's a lot of work, you know. And and uh, you're gone a lot. You're gone from home a lot. And I've never been away from home, you know. Um, I actually had to. I was going to. Uh, uh, Long Beach State University at the time, and I had to take a hiatus from school. Um, I don't know if school still works this way, but at the time, uh, the requirements you have to take to graduate college is based on the year you entered. Right? They call it like the catalog year or something at the time. And when you by the year you enter, you know, they, they tell you you have to take these classes to graduate. Now, if you stop school for a period of time and you go back, that all starts over, right? So, and I was already a little bit in to college to, to, for my degree, and I didn't want to. And I put it on hold to go on tour, and it just got to be, you know, too much time. And um, I, I just, yeah. I just said, hey, guys, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and I, I need to go back and finish school. And, in fact, I had missed uh, part of the winter tour before that because I, I had finals. But, yeah, I, it, uh, yeah, the guys <laughs> were not happy with me on that one. <laughs> yeah. And looking back, yeah. I, I, you know, I should have I, – I don't know. I probably should have stayed, but uh, – Shoulda, woulda, coulda. After Supertones, uh, you know, I, I got, I was finishing up college. Um, I got married and then, uh, Sean, uh, Stopnik, you know, I, I wasn't yeah. doing anything. So I called him up and, and he's like, Hey, I'm starting this, I have this new project going on. Stairwell, uh, you want to come play guitar and, uh, do some violin. 
as well. And I hadn't played violin in a while, but, you know, it sounded intriguing. So I said yes, and I did stairwell. Uh, that's how I met Neil and Tim. And then I actually ended up working with Tim. Um, Tim worked at a uh, computer place, I guess a computer startup company. Um, yeah, so that's how I uh, that's how I met Tim and Neil, and I started playing in stairwell. So we I played in a band. Uh, oh, and I think we eventually got Sean Stopnik a job there too. So it was me, Tim, and Sean working at a computer startup, and then uh, and then playing in stairwell. That that was uh, that was really cool actually listening to Neil's podcast because uh, there was a lot of stairwell stuff that I'd forgotten about. Um, you know that he brought up. It's like, oh yeah, the the funny the funny thing about the the stories he was telling was his story about the Tom Fest. Yeah. When uh, I have to make a correction, I think Neil might have forgotten this. Uh, <laughs> he was talking about the bass, right? We, we were on stage, and I still remember this super clearly because it was so frustrating. <laughs> and we were up there for like a good ten, fifteen minutes because. Uh, we thought the bass equipment wasn't working, and uh, Neil said it was. Uh, he had his volume down on the bass, and to yeah. me, I think it was something worse than that. His uh, cord actually was plugged into the amp, but it wasn't. You know how when you plug the cord into an amp, there's like that last snap that you got to push and yeah. just click. Yeah, that yeah. last click didn't happen. So it was plugged in, but it wasn't plugged in. I just remember we were oh, so man. mad. We were all so mad at Dan when when we clicked it in. Oh, man. That's so funny. Yeah, Stairwell, uh, Stairwell was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing in Stairwell. And so, yeah, I did, you know, after Supertones, did Stairwell. Um, and then when... Uh, the, when Stairwell got really serious and they were going to go on tour, um, I decided to bow out because I didn't, you know, at the time I was trying to finish college, trying to get a career going. Um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't be on tour, you know, and I would have loved to go on tour. I just could not. So I kind of <laughs> left, then that's why I left Stairwell. Um, but yeah, that was a really fun band. And I still remember, I still remember Neil asking if he should go on tour with Stavesacre. And, uh, I was one of the guys that told him to go. And I think, yeah. I don't know, I, I think the other guys were kind of mad that I told him that. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I said, hey, it's, it's chance of a lifetime to go on tour with Stavesacre. But yeah, so after that, I didn't, man, I didn't do anything musically until, like 2006, um, and I, you know, did some did some stuff after that. Nothing, nothing big or major. Um, I uh, uh, you, have you heard of the band Killswitch Engage? Yeah, that metal band. Yeah. So I had in, you know, after that I, uh, I think I ran across an ad on Craigslist for a guitar player. You know, I, around 2005, 2006, I was like, uh, let's let's start playing again. My kids had grown, you know, gotten older. Um, 
And so, you know, I was able to go do stuff again. And uh, the ad was from the the old drummer from Killswitch. He had moved out to L.A. He wanted to start a band. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, but I didn't know who Killswitch was at the time. So, you know, I was just like, hey, I saw your ad. <laughs> I play guitar. And yeah, that's how, that's kind of how I got back into it. And then I, I did a few other projects. Uh, you, you know, the guys from Game Face? Have you heard that band, yeah. Game Face? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, after that, um, actually, after I played in that band with, uh, the drum from Killswitch. That band was called Something of a Silhouette. Um, I was in that band for about a year and a half. And then that was around the time Sean Stopnick got, you know, his he was in uh, that band Rock Kills Kid. And he got signed mm-hmm. to Warner Brothers. And, um, and I was working at Vans, the, the shoe company. I was working at the corporate office doing their uh, computer stuff. And he called me up and I was about to quit that job. And he called and said, Hey, we need a stage manager and guitar tech, you know, on tour. Our guy quit. We're kind of in a pinch. So I went on tour with him with Rock Hills Kid for like three or four months. Um, and when I got back, I started, you know, then. I guess just the music thing kind of was still in me, so I started playing in a in a metal band, and then uh, like a screamo band, you know, like a more updated like two thousand mid two thousand screamo band called yeah. Follow Your Failure, and then uh, after that I did um, a uh, Hank Williams uh, cover band that my friend Zach and I started, and. Uh, that was the last thing I did. Unfortunately, you know, I have kind of carpal tunnel these days, so it's hard to hard to play guitar seriously for any length of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was fortunate enough actually to to you know they invite uh, Supertones invited me to play a few songs with them at their you know twentieth anniversary celebration of uh, Strike Back, so. I was cool. I was able to play, you know, I think two or three songs with them. So that that was kind of the last time I performed. Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our theme song was written and composed by the legendary Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give the show a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, click on the Patreon link at asthestorygrows.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening.
Never thought so young and 